You're listening to the Warrior Rule Book Podcast with me, Monique Carmen. I'm a God-fearing, bright fashion blogger, also known as Pretty Miki, where I share tips on how to activate that part of you that sets your soul on fire to fight whatever life throws at you. Come on, share your story with me. At some point or another, you may have encountered a narcissist. Maybe they lie for no reason, and you keep questioning yourself as to why. Maybe they've isolated you, saying that no one will believe you. Or maybe they might have even gaslighted you and accused you of things that you never did. They actually accused you of things that they're guilty of doing. So today I want to talk with a trusted friend about this topic. His name is Eli Davis, and he really loves to learn. He would describe himself as a glutton for wisdom. He's an avid reader and learner, and he's starting a vlog really soon, which is really exciting. His ultimate dream is to do something to impact the lives of many people in the world, which is something that I want to do. And one of his favorite books is called On the Shortness of Life by Seneca. And hopefully he'll dive into why that book is his favorite. Um, so without further ado, is Eli Davis. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so can you like tell us about that book or if it even relates to um, today's topic? Uh, it's somewhat. Um, well, basically, narcissists can cause a lot of stress in your life. And on The Shortness of Life by Seneca, it kind of deals with I guess the fact that we stress the wrong things and um, how we basically waste a lot of our lives pursuing the wrong things and that could cause stress. So I guess the, the link there would be the, the factor of stress, you know, but it, it's mainly, it's mainly that I just find it an interesting read and it can really change your perspective on a lot of things. Kind of like narcissists do, but this one does it for the good. Okay, so can you um, tell me about your experience with the narcissist and just kind of like um, what emotions were you going through at that time and what type of person were you back then when this happened? Okay, so um, I've dealt with a narcissist for probably most of my life. And uh, at one point they were probably closer to me than anyone else you know and that's the thing about the narcissistic type is that you don't always especially if you don't know what a narcissist is in in the sense that we're using it you don't always know that you're dealing with that type of person you know as far as the type of person i was well largely the narcissist shaped uh uh, somewhat the type of person that i became back then and even to some extent today uh it kind of it kind of trained me into being more passive and into being more afraid to you know speak up and being more afraid to be assertive many people who uh teach assertiveness will tell you that a lot of times the reason why people are frequently more passive than assertive it's because in the past, when they were assertive, they would get punished for it. And uh, it kept happening over and over. 
And eventually, you know, if you don't know any better, like especially if you're younger or even if you're older, really, uh, you could develop the mindset of, well, this method of communication isn't working. I get punished for it. And, you know, you just kind of become apprehensive to do it. You know, if you're dealing with a narcissistic person, especially if you grow up dealing with them like I did, um, it kind of caused me to think everyone was like that. And, you know, kind of caused me to think that everyone sort of expected me to put their needs above mine. And, you know, that that was the right thing to do. And it, expect, it, it uh, caused me to expect anyone to react irrationally or angrily or punish me somehow for, you know, being honest and assertive. And uh, it can actually be a pretty difficult mindset to break out of because, you know, we pick up habits. Habits like, and when I say we pick up habits, I'm not talking about, you know, actions or anything. Just like, I'm not only talking about actions. We also pick up habits with our thought processes, you know? And a lot of times we pick those up without even really realizing it, you know? So if you habitually pick up the mindset, let, let me not assert myself because this person will punish me. Like even if you're just dealing with that one person, if you deal with them enough, eventually that'll just be automatic, you know? Mm-hmm. To the point where you don't even really realize that it's happening. So the type of person that turned me into was just passive, um, just be afraid to speak up for myself. And, um, you know, it'd be really easy for people to walk over me pretty much. Um, It also turned me into a resentful person a lot of the time. Because what happens often is when someone does something to you and they kind of uh, transgress a boundary that you have and you don't speak up, a lot of times that'll just fester in you. Renee Brown, who is actually a really good, awesome writer, writes a lot of good personal development books. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has some, she she did Mm -hmm. one, I want to say it was a presentation. It's on Audible. It's called I think it's called the power of vulnerability or something, but she has a quote on there that she tells herself whenever she feels she needs to assert herself, which is uh, this discomfort is better than resentment. That's something she, it's almost like a mantra she has. Discomfort is better than resentment. And, but the thing is, if you're trained by the narcissistic personality that you deal with, not to deal with that temporary discomfort, that can come with being assertive. You're only going to deal. You're only going to have the resentment with you. It'll seem like you know you exploded on someone because they left their sock on on the on the floor one time, and the person is just going to think you blew up on them because of that. When really it was the result of a bunch of stuff kind of piling up and building up until it just reached the the maximum capacity, you know. And um, so. Another thing it kind of made me into was, so this I would say is a positive and a negative, right? It made me, it made me nicer. So there are good reasons why it made me nicer and there are bad reasons why it made me nicer, if if you get what I'm saying. The, The good reasons why it made me nicer is because I know what it's like 
to feel like someone doesn't give two cents about you. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to cause anyone else to have that feeling. You know, right. so it's, it's always really important to me that others feel like I like know that I care about them and know that how they feel and what they want matters to me. The bad reasons why it made me into a nicer person is because for a while I was just too scared to be mean to anyone. <laughs> and wow. so, yeah. And so that could be, I would actually, con- I would actually say that I would argue that that's not actually a nice person. Someone who's too scared to be mean because you're not, you're not being kind out of concern for the other person or out of empathy. You're being kind out of fear. Right. Like it's, it's good to be kind, but you also have to have the right reasons for it. You know, now I'm kind because I care about the other person. I want them to feel, you know, appreciated and warm. But if you're nice because you're just afraid to be a little abrasive, which sometimes you have to be, mm-hmm. I would argue that it's not nice. You know why? Be- another reason is because you're not actually being nice to yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, here's what I say, right? You can't say that you're nice to everyone if you're not nice to yourself. Right. You're someone too, you know? Mm-hmm. You're someone, I'm someone. If I'm nice to everyone, but then I treat myself like trash, I'm not nice to everyone. I I can't say that. Okay. And so... I have a question. And, so, sure. Uh, sure. Do you, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> Ramble on and on and on. Yeah. Um, so, like, do you think that some people um, kind of take towards, like, the negative side as far as, like, they kind of pick up on the narcissist behavior and they start being mean as a means of self-preservation? Yeah, in fact, I would say that the narcissist that I deal with, I'm pretty sure their parents is narcissist that I dealt with. I deal with them sometimes in situations where I have to, but mm-hmm. I would say their parent was actually like that. Mm-hmm. From what I've heard about their parent, they were actually like that towards them. And so a lot of times that can happen where if you're the victim of a certain type of behavior, here, here's what often, here are two negative consequences that often happen with that, especially if you're raised a certain, in a certain way, like, cause again, narcissists don't necessarily have to be your guardians, you know, or, but in the situation where someone was raised by a narcissist, and, uh, two things can often happen as far as the negatives. One is they become like that themselves because people tend to imitate their guardians or people who raise them. Another is they become the type of person that attracts narcissists. Wow. It's so how how does that because so narcissists can often tell the type of person that would be passive enough for them to continue dealing with dealing with you know what analogy i would give what i would compare it to i would compare it to a bed if you sleep on a bed long enough it'll eventually kind of 
what, what's it called? What's that? What's that mattress that kind of takes on your shape and kind of adapts to your shape? I forget what it's called. Tempur-Pedic or something like that. It, it's something like that, but it's a mattress that it has like it's memory foam. Yeah, I think I would. I used to remember like the Tempur-Pedic commercials when I was younger. Yeah, I think that's the pillow though, but I'm, I I could be wrong. But basically, the victim of narcissists sort of function as memory foam in that they sort of conform and adapt to that type of behavior in a way they and so they adapt in a way that suits that behavior. So victims of narcissists can often become uh, more passive people who are afraid to speak up for themselves and afraid to really assert themselves. And what will happen is other narcissists out there will see that you're that type of person and try to connect with you because, you know, they need more people to sort of feed their ego, you know, and more people to sort of prioritize them over, over themselves. Mm -hmm. And so what often will happen, this is what I hear, um, is that people who are raised by narcissists can often end up marrying uh, a narcissist, can often end up constantly dating different types of narcissists, befriending narcissists, because they can, they can sense that somehow. The narcissist can sense that you're the type of person that would just let them walk all over them. And also, a lot of times, unfortunately, um, a lot of people tend to think, especially if they were raised a certain way, that that type of behavior is normal. And, you know, it's often said that how we're raised and how our parents treat us often affect what we look for in a partner. And so oftentimes a person can sort of like unknowingly seek out the narcissistic type, you know, their, their behaviors will be like, you know, have you thinking, wow, there's something about this person that we, we just connect. It just works. And it's because you've been forced, I guess, by trauma to just be used to that type of person. Like you take a kid where it's like all they were eating was junk food all their life. Mm -hmm. And then you try to give them some celery. Like they can't even, their mouth probably won't even register that it's food. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like they can't even chew it. And yeah. so, and so that's a lot of, that can deal with a lot of times uh, the type of, that's some of what it can affect. You know, that's, that's one thing it can do can also cause you uh, to, this is, I know this is a topic that we'll get into later, but to answer the question of what type of person I was, is um, I, it caused me to doubt my own memory. Mm -hmm. And that's what the narcissist did. And, but yeah, it caused me to doubt my memory. You know, whenever I would, when, whenever the narcissist would do something or say something belittling, make them a belittling comment or, uh, say they were going to do something, promise they were going to do something and then refuse to keep their word. Mm -hmm. And I would, con you know, confront them about it. They would deny that it ever, that they ever said that, or they would slightly misconstrue what was, uh, what was said. They would really, really stick to their street and really insist that I did it. To the point, and they would say, no, you just don't remember. You just don't remember that happening. Oh my you know? God. Yeah, they would say, you're just trying to, uh, 
they would say oh, you're changing something like you're changing your memories or something like that or you're recalling what you want to recall and that this would happen very often they would say it's all in your head you know that's a that's that's textbook textbook gaslighting and uh it just it just sounds so crazy like hearing it like mm -hmm. in that that way saying like oh you just want to remember like what you want to remember but it's like that's a delicate thing like to mess with somebody's memory like it's one thing like to like tease your friend and be like that's not what happened like you don't remember and then saying like legit like you're just remembering what you want to remember like i like that just sounds so hurtful yeah you're remembering the wrong thing or you don't remember this happened. Why don't you remember this? Something's wrong with your memory. Stuff like that. <clears throat> um, but yeah, and they would always imply that I had some type of mental disorder or other. So either say I was depressed or anger issues. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a, there was basically a mental disorder of belief. Uh, and what will often happen is, especially when it was uh, when it was something they did long ago, but still, like it still hurts me, because you know a lot of times when someone hurts you, a lot of times, for me, like I just want a sincere apology. You know what I mean? I get that people aren't perfect, but you know if you just acknowledge, like, yeah, I messed up, I did that, I shouldn't have done it, and I'm not okay with the fact that I did. It. You know, I regret doing it. Something like that. Something to let me know that you that you actually give two cents about the fact that you did something, you know. But what would happen with them is whenever I bring it up, you know, they would always distort it or spin the narrative to the to make it where they were the victim and that I was the aggressor. And when that happens enough, uh, you know, you're when you hear a lie enough, it becomes easier and easier to believe it. That's part of why, you know, misinformation spreads so much. See, lying is a skill just like anything else, where the more you do it, the better you get at it, you know? Mm -hmm. This person knew how to subtly add more and more details to the point where, like, each time they changed the story a little bit, it was still believable because it was still pretty close to what I remember. So I would end up thinking, well, wait, maybe I did do that thing. You know, yeah. maybe I did do this or that. Maybe I did provoke them. Maybe I did have it coming. And then they add more and more detail to the point where I end up looking like a monster. And that's what I ended up believing about myself for a while is that, you know, I was just some no matter how hard I tried, I was just some sort of heartless monster, aggressive, angry, depressed monster. It really affects your self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And it takes a while to get to sort of come out of that. Like, especially if you don't know that you're dealing with that type of person. Mm -hmm. Like, once I learned about what a narcissist is and what they do and what uh, gaslighting is, like that pretty much opened up um, everything you know it made so much stuff so much clearer and it helped me it kind of put me in the right direction to sort of uh, 
you know, undo a lot of what they did. And so do you think that the narcissists themselves kind of have like this sense of like they're doing something wrong, but they, it's kind of like a drug and they just, that's all they know how to do. So like, that's why they just keep projecting that power on them. Or is it like in all cases where they're just like, oh, it's just all about me and my power. And um, another thing I would want to know is like, you know, those anger issues and mental deficiencies for lack of a better term um would that be more of a reflection of what the narcissist is experiencing so okay so it seems like your your first question is like do they know what they're doing basically like yeah like like do they kind of have like a conscious at all like i know that this is wrong but it feels right um, okay, so that's honestly something that I, I wondered for a while and I'm not entirely sure about. Like, as far as if they know, cause, because here's the thing, right? Some liars actually, at a, after a certain point, end up believing their own lies, <laughs> you know? Like, maybe, well, maybe this truth is kind of suppressed deep deep down to the point where like they may forget that it's kind of there but like that's because they're actively trying to suppress it mm -hmm. but with this person whenever I would come close to exposing them they would do everything they can and deliberately change details mm -hmm. that's the thing like for a while I would think maybe this person can't help it but it's the fact, it's how deliberate a lot of it seems often, where like they would deliberately cherry pick certain details and deliberately leave things out. And they're very good uh, actors. That's the thing about narcissists. Um, a lot of times, a lot of people don't even know that that's what they are, you know, because they're so good at projecting an image of just a warm, kind person to everyone except for their victim, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so that's part of what makes it difficult to kind of, that's also part of what makes uh, it easy for the victim to kind of doubt their sanity. Mm -hmm. Because when you would try to tell other people, no one really believes you. Because they're like, what? I don't see that person. I see a nice, kind gentle delicate loving person you know and so because of that and because they're so good with lying like it seems it, it's it's actually very difficult to convince others but like as as far as how that uh is relevant to your question i if i had to like place a bet i would place it on yes that they know what they're doing and the reason why is because of how deliberate it is. The reasons I, like the thing I just described, like the, the deceptive behavior and the, um, the fake, the, you know, the lies and the slight, slight distortions of what they would do. It seems too deliberate to be something that you're kind of unknowingly doing 
you know, like mm -hmm. there, there's there has to be planning involved. The the next question I believe you said was uh, the th are the things they say about me sort of what they feel about themselves basically? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like are they project? It seems like yeah. It seems like it would be like are they projecting or something like that, right? Like, yeah. I would say, <laughs> I would say yeah. No, yeah, it does. It makes total sense. I would say yeah. Um, a lot of time with the person that would do that with me. Ah, yeah. Listen, because you actually because you actually reminded me of another thing that they would often do is like literally. I, it, I'm not exaggerating when I say it would seem like everything that would come out of their mouth was some sort of complaint about me or some sort of negative criticism about me. That's part of why it affected the self-esteem. Mm. But I would, I believe, because a lot of things they would say about me were actually the case about them. Mm. So I actually do believe that there's a lot of projection going on there, which is what that would be, like saying other people are doing, like have problems that you uh, have. I would say there's a lot of that there because I would also say that they, the thing about narcissists is even though they're so concerned about other people feeding their ego, mm. their own self-esteem is actually very fragile. And so okay. I would say that was part of it, you know, part mm. of when I started to believe a lot of the criticisms that they would give about me. And thus uh, affecting my self-esteem, I would actually say it was because their self-esteem actually was just very fragile and they had uh, an unhealthy way of, of coping with it, basically. And likely theirs was very fragile because they were raised by one in my situation. Okay, so do you think that narcissism is... Um hereditary or like spirit things? From what I've read, I think people are thinking that there might be a genetic component to it. Um, and uh, I mean, a lot of personality traits uh, tend to be hereditary. You know, I can see some of your mom in you like a hundred percent. A lot of people say that, you know, the the whole the sweetness thing, the kindness thing, like it's it's there. Your question is actually it touches on something that a lot of people have been wondering about for a while, which is uh, the whole nature versus nurture thing, mm -hmm. where it's like how much of your behavior is based on your environment and how much of it is based on your genes. And um, as someone who now a lot of people agree that it's both but then it's like you know how much of it how much of each as far as like what the psychologists think as someone who has a lot of faith in a human's capacity to improve themselves and who has a lot of faith in our ability to affect to make our own decisions no matter how difficult things are I would have to say that it's largely a result of the person. Be just because 
I really place a lot of emphasis on, you know, uh, what's the word? I guess our, our agency, our, our free will, you know, I'm a free will guy. Like we, we, we're responsible for our behavior point blank. If you are raised by a jerk, you still don't have to be a jerk. You know, if you are raised by a nice person, you may not end up being a nice person. It depends on you. It's all, it's your responsibility. So I would say even if there were some genes that maybe created a tendency towards that type of behavior, it's still them choosing to engage on it, you know, to engage in it. So I would say that the responsibility pretty much falls on the person, you know, that it's, it's, it's them. Tell me about how to deal with the manipulative of a narcissist and bring up that book that you told me about. It's actually funny because when I bought the book, the intention wasn't really to deal with a narcissist. It was to deal with uh, a certain type of behave, uh, behavioral pattern that I tended to have that was actually a result of, of dealing with the narcissist. And I actually didn't know that that behavior came from that until I connected the dots later on in the book. But um, I was trying to learn basically how to be more assertive. The name of the book is When I Say No, I Feel Guilty. And it's, a, it's, a, it, it's said to be the number one uh, bestseller on, on assertiveness training. And it's by, it's by Manuel J. Smith. And uh, so, yeah, it's about basically learning how to say no, which is um, it's a very key part of being assertive, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't all it doesn't go too much into when you need to confront someone else though it does to some degree it more so deals with you dealing with people who are trying to manipulate you which is what narcissists like to do because a lot of times they tend to be obsessed with control you know and so yeah it 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 tell it teaches you how to deal with a lot of the mind games that people play and so one of the techniques that the narcissist, you know, one of the techniques in the book that it teaches about is the broken record. I would say that's probably the main one that you need to learn. But the broken record is, it, it's exactly how it sounds. You just keep, it's basically uh, calm, uh, sort of calmly, neutrally, um, repeating that you're not going to do what the person is trying to manipulate you into doing. So let's say you were trying to get me to lend you $15, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I would basically say, I'm not, you know, I can't, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to lend you $15. And you would say, come on, come on, lend me 15. I, I you know, I lent you some money before, you let, and I'd say, I understand, but I'm not going to do it. And I would basically keep repeating, I'm not going to do it. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not, I understand, but I'm not going to do it. You know, I understand how you feel, but I'm not going to do it. And repeating that over and over, because the point he makes is 
everyone has a limited number of repetitions in their bag. You know, the other person has a limited number of no's in their bag. And um, they, and like the, uh, the person who's trying to manipulate, manipulate you has a limited number of come on mans in your bag. And so he tries to say, don't really get into going back and forth with the logic of it. Because at the end of the day, you don't really owe an explanation for why you're not going to lend someone $15, you know, to your money. And a lot of times when people can trick you into discussing it, they can kind of confuse you and either cause you to get out of character and get angry or cause you to uh, sort of break down and end up giving them what they want. So it's to calmly and neutrally repeat, you know, I understand you're in a bad situation. I understand how you feel. I'm not lending you $15. Sorry, but I'm not lending you $15. Keep repeating that, you know. Eventually, the person will back off. But the key is you don't want to show, you know, fear or anger or anything like that. You just want to keep neutrally doing it. And the person will kind of just, that really helps them pick up that you're not going to change your mind about this, you know. If you get angry, they might think they can manipulate you. If you show, if you're afraid, like, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I can, I don't feel like, I don't know if I should, you know, it's, it's, uh, the person might see that as a cue, like, oh, I can push this person, you know. Um, negative assertion is, it's more or less agreeing with, uh, it kind of goes hand in hand with fogging. So it's actually better if I explain. Ah, actually, you know what would be awesome? Mm -hmm. If we could, if we could kind of reenact this, right? So, yeah, so like, okay. Let's say... I'm like, hey, Neek, give me a million dollars. No. <laughs> Come on, give me a million dollars. No, I just keep saying See, no. Or do you, I you, you could, You could say no, or you could say I'm not giving you a million dollars. Basically, I, so I have to kind of add other stuff here because a lot of these techniques are kind of connected is a lot of times it's often good to say, I understand how you feel, but I'm not giving you a million dollars. You know, something like that. Ah, I just realized okay. how goofy that phrase sounds. No, no, the re I, I didn't make that clear. The reason why is because like the person sees, okay, they took note of my point. They're still not moving, basically. Like it still doesn't matter to them. Um, so that being said, give me a million dollars. No. Come on, give me a million dollars. I understand, but I'm not giving you a million dollars. Neek, I thought we were friends. Give me a million dollars. I understand, but I'm not giving you a million dollars. If you really understood, you would give me a million dollars. I do understand. That's why you're not getting a million dollars. So that was great. A common what he would probably emphasize 
is that you kind of keep it like sort of samey, you know, just as samey as possible. So that way, that's the whole broken record part. You know, broken record is because, you know, it, it keeps playing the same part over and over again. You know, I went to town last night, not, 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 you know, and it just keeps going. And so you're kind of just repeating that break. You know, I understand how you feel. I'm not giving you a million dollars, which you are doing, but I just want to make that clear. So did you notice how I was going? What? Actually, I don't think I did. I was planning to. But suppose I started going, what kind of friend refuses to give me a million dollars? Let's make it more realistic. If I'm asking you for a ride to the park, right? I'm asking you, let me borrow your car. Oh, no. And you're refused. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> no, I mean, if I'm like. Not you, like, it's okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Like if if I'm if if I'm asking you right mm -hmm. to give me a ride to let me borrow your car to go to the park and you're refusing, yeah. and I'm like, what kind of person would refuse to give their friend a ride to the park? It's that type of question, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's like, what kind of person would do this? Because what I would be implying was that a bad type of person would do that. That's what I'm subtly implying. Even though I'm supposed to be your friend, I'm calling you a bad person or calling you a bad friend if I ask that question. And so what he suggests you do, which I don't always feel comfortable doing, but he would say this would be called a negative assertion. I think this one is negative assertion where You'd be like, well, I don't know what kind of person would. And that's, ne that's negative inquiry. Mm. Like what kind of person would? Like a bad person. I'd say a bad person or something like that. And then you still go back to saying, I understand how you feel, but I'm not letting you take my car to the park. Mm. The thing is, you have to, and this happens over time, like you have to practice it. Just like any skill, it gets better with practice. You have to get used to constantly doing that broken record thing. Initially, it's going to feel uncomfortable because you're used. If you're if you're the passive type, you're used to eventually uh, conforming, I guess, or giving in to what the other person wants if they push you enough. And so because this is not what you're used to, and additionally, because you're punished for being assertive in the past, there's going to be some degree of discomfort and anxiety when you're first trying out the broken record thing, which is why it's important to remember that Brene Brown quote, uh, discomfort is better than resentment, because those are really your two choices. You can either deal with the temporary discomfort of saying no to this person as long as it takes. Or you can deal with the resentment that often lasts a lot longer and can often lead to more uh, um, harmful consequences in the future because as, this, as resentment builds up, like it will inevitably explode, maybe not even on the person you're resentful towards, 
But as resentment builds up, it eventually blows up, you know, or it'll come out through passive aggression, which can also be a destructive way, uh, an unhealthy way of coping. Tune in to the next episode to hear the second part of this discussion. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Warrior Rulebook podcast. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend and join me over at the Warrior Rulebook podcast insider group on Facebook. And don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more tips on how to be resilient in this world.